The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, I was, when I was watching that video uh, earlier, I saw they had the announcement for kids, uh, KidCon. And uh, just to be clear, sometimes you don't have a revelation about maybe what something means or, or the, the word itself is something you didn't maybe realize. I realized that when we, when we advertise something like KidCon, um, the word con can seem a little odd because maybe you're thinking of like a con man and we're not sending kids to learn to be con men or women. Um, just to be clear about that, and um, because the word con, obviously we mean conference, right? A little conference for kids. Um, but con, the word, and I learned this a few years ago, but the word con, anybody know like the word itself? It's a yeah, confidence, a confidence man. Uh, somebody who gains your confidence and then kind of rips you off or whatever. And so we don't want to teach kids to do that, just so you know, just so we're clear. Um, but uh, I just thought it was an odd way to advertise a kid's conference. So just so you know, it's to help kids learn about Jesus, to be clear. Um, another, I had another one. This is just a few weeks ago. Um, the word music. I, I know you're like, I didn't come to learn English, but you're welcome. This is a bonus today. Um, but the word music, I, I didn't really, it didn't hit me until a few weeks ago. It's the word muse. You're musing about a subject, right? So you're writing a song. It's music. It's musing. Anybody else not know that besides me until just a few weeks ago? Anyway, yeah, you learned something new. So you're welcome. This is a little bonus message for you. Um, never an English teacher, but all of a sudden I am, and, and God bless you for that. So um, that will be on a quiz later, I suppose. Um, I want to say, are you guys awake? Is this, are you, hello? Are we? Check, check, like, okay. Um, anyway, uh, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, so why don't we give them a hand? Happy Father's Day to you, gentlemen. I'm glad you're here. And um, we'll jump into a message here soon enough, but at the end today, I know we announced it as well, but uh, you know, we just have a passion for uh, kids being able to go to camp or uh, like a kid's conference, That's, that would be youth is one bracket, another would be kids, and uh, so every year for Father's Day, we do an every kid to camp offering. Beyond what we would normally give, we're asking people to, to maybe do a little extra, and the, the deal is we just want every kid to be able to go to camp. We never want finances to be a reason a kid can't go to camp, and so we just appreciate anything you want to do at the end here as as we make the transition, um, but we just value that, and we know that kids' camp can get expensive. The value, you know, the value, the, the cost goes up, and we do as a church subsidize a bunch of it. But um, if you want to help out, that would be awesome. It was really cool to hear of a, a gentleman who's actually uh, watching online now, uh, which appreciate that for those of you that are online. But he mentioned that the, the camp that we're actually taking our students to this year, that he remembers having some really impactful moments at that camp, and he actually said, hey, I wanna, I wanna give you know, three scholarships for three kids to go because I value it so much. So it's just a really cool thing, but we want every kid to be able to go, so we appreciate that. And uh, so that's for Father's Day, and that'll happen towards the end. Um, if you're looking for where we're gonna land today, 1 Samuel 17, if you got a Bible, I say it all the time, but I encourage you to bring a Bible if you got that book and open it up and kind of learn where the books are at. If you got a smartphone, that's fine as well with a Bible app. Um, it'll be on the screen. Somebody asked me earlier, and I think it's an important thing to sort of mention here and there, but um, when I read and, and our pastors uh, teach out of the scriptures, we typically will do it out of the New International Version or NIV. If you're familiar with that, some of you might bring a Bible and it's a different version, different translations, wording can be a little different, um, that, that's fine. But just so you know, that's kind of what's going on, but that's what we typically will use. And if we use another version, there's typically a reason that you know, we want to teach something, and so we'll say that, but just, just to clarify. But um, when I was in school, um, I was, anybody ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? 
like I, I always felt like Ferris Bueller, like a lot of friends joking around, having a lot of fun. And um, when, when I, went, I went to school here in, in Marysville and, and you know, graduated from Pilchuck in 93, um, and um, uh, I, I, in, in middle school, junior high, high school, there, there was another kid in our grade named Nick. And so I'm Nick and, and he's Nick. He, he was, um, he was a, a smaller person. And um, when I was in school, uh, I, was, I was always a little younger. I was one of those kids that, like, the beginning of my senior year, I was 16 and then turned 17. And then, but um, when we went to school, pretty soon people started calling us the little Nicks, okay? So that, um, you can imagine that's super fun. And um, so, so they called us that, and, and I remember at, at one point, um, I, in seventh grade, again, I was little, like I, I wrestled in seventh grade on the wrestling team. I was little, like I was like a 20 pound weight class or you know, whatever it was, um, probably not that light. But um, anyway, I, I wrestled. And at one point, as they were putting together an assembly, they asked me, hey, do you want to wrestle in front of the school? They, the idea was they were advertising winter sports. And so, you know, wrestling and basketball, all that stuff. And so I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I'll do that. And then find out that I was going to wrestle Nick, and so here we are in front of the whole school, and we're wrestling, and I'm, I'm pretty small, but I'm not quite that small. Anyway, this, this, uh, the kid beats me and, in front of the whole school, and um, I've, uh, I've been doing a lot of counseling since then. I'm doing, I'm doing okay, survived school, I'm, I'm all right. But um, those are moments that sort of mar you. I remember another time, and I was probably, I'm, I'm gonna guess about a sophomore, I think, and there was a basketball game, and I wasn't on the team, because of course I wasn't, you know, but anyway. Um, but with huge attendance, I don't know if it was a playoff game or something, but the stands were pretty full of people, and a bunch of us are there in the student section, and it was against Oak Harbor, and, and we're playing Oak Harbor, and um, my uncle's on the second row going, you're going to tell this story, aren't you? And yes, I am, I know, so just hug me later, we'll be fine. Um, but so uh, the, the, the game is going on, it's a pretty tight game, it's, it's winding towards the end, and one of our players is going to shoot foul shots, and a bunch of the Oak Harbor players run behind the basketball hoop and are trying to distract our player. Well, a bunch of us are like, no way. So we run over there in front of them and try to block them, right? I'm small, but I'm trying to block them. And um, shoots the foul shots. I don't remember how they went, but um, at one point, all of my friends left and I stayed and all Oak Harbor students and then me. And so one of the kids is like, what are you still doing here? And I'm not a big guy, but, but I turn to him like, I mean, what are you doing here? And he pushes me, like, kind of, you know, fall back a little bit. So I push him pretty hard. Three or four guys fall over, okay? They didn't like that. Not big fans of, of falling over. I'm not huge, but they, I'm not joking, no exaggeration. They jump me, and they're like punching and kicking, and I'm like in the fetal position, like just trying to, you know. And, uh, and the next morning, like my shower was painful, like bruises, and like it hurt. But anyway, um, I get, at some point, they're pulling kids off of each other, and I look up, the game had been stopped, there were fights all over the place. I'm like, oh Lord, what did I, you know. Um, so... Uh, I did not win at all. I did not win even close. I got, I got, I got pummeled pretty good. Um, ended up going back to, to my uncle's house, took a shower. Anyway, so, but it was a little, little rough. Um, I've been in a few fights. That was the one that I remember losing very, very badly to a group of people. Um, and it wasn't very fun. Why do I bring this up? And when are we going to look at the Bible? We're getting there. All right. Um, but for me, like, I, I've been in a few fights. That was one I didn't win. And, and I know we talked about it in our series and we've ended it, but enemy at work, this idea that we, we've all had our fights. And maybe you've been in fist fights or, or you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe your fight is, your marriage gets tense and, and you guys, you know, kind of argue and there, there's some anger and some stuff pent up or just people in general. But the truth is, and it goes back to what we were saying, there's always some sort of battle. 
I know people say, you know, you never know the battle people are fighting. And it's true. Sometimes we judge really easy and we don't realize people are going through all kinds of, of rough stuff. But um, I bring it up because as much as uh, many of us are in battles that we face, I want to take a look at a battle that I really haven't taught a lot about. And if you grew up in church world, you're probably familiar with this story from 1 Samuel chapter 17. But I bring it up and I'm going to say this and then we'll get into it. This is a message that I really want men to tune into. And I say that not because it doesn't apply to, to, to gals in here. I think everybody can get something out of this, but I believe in the world that we live in that there, there's something that I'm concerned about when it comes to guys being who they're called to be. Now, I don't say that to be like, here's a man's sermon and you know, we all need to have a gun rack and you know, spit you out our window and you know, drive, drive down the road or whatever. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying something that I really want you to tune into because it's more than just you and me and, and our lives and our relationship with Christ that matters to a great deal. That's huge. But I also want us to consider the next generation. I want us to think about those that come after us. I'm 45, I'll be 46 here in a couple of months. And um, I'm thinking about those that are 45 and below, people in their 30s and 20s and, and, and teens and, and you know, kids, that it matters. And I really want you to tune in because this here, I think, can maybe help us and it starts with, you know, in, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. But um, did I already pray? I know I already forgot, right? I should know this. Did I already, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. So, God, open our hearts, especially for guys. Again, this is for everybody. People in this room right now, people that are, that are at home or wherever they are watching, that's, that's fine. We're, that's great. But, but I, I just pray for attentiveness. I pray for your spirit more than anything to be at work in all of our hearts and in a world where it can seem very... Confusing in a world that says, "Hey, guys, really shouldn't be guys and masculine, or, or gals shouldn't be girls and women and, and do feminine things." That, that that's not okay, and it feels so confusing sometimes. What, what is going on? And this isn't some typical, you know, kind of sermon. We're going to you know spit out the window and, and cuss at people. It's it's not that God. It's realizing that you have wired us a certain way. And there's battles that we fight and it matters what happens. And it matters how we take those battles. And sure, it's for gals and it's for guys today, but I just believe in our world, there's a gaping hole that seems to be widening about what men are called to be. And I pray for all of us, open hearts. God, thank you for what you would do in the time that we have, which is pretty short today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 It starts out of 1 Samuel 17, 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped at the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Now this is the beginning of this This is another battle. If you're familiar at all with Samuel King's Chronicles, even going back to even going back to Joshua, the Israelites were fighting battles. And the Philistines were an ongoing battle. They would drop battle lines over and over and over. And so this is just another battle, but something begins to happen that we don't see anywhere else. And it starts in verse four with this. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Okay, so, so here's the picture. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath is a monster. Goliath has, has armor on that weighs 125 pounds. Goliath's spear tip weighs 15 pounds, just the spear tip alone. 
This guy is a really large guy. And it says this, Goliath, verse eight, stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not, but anybody ever seen the, 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 the VeggieTale version of this? I know it's a little cheesy, but if I remember, it's like Goliath is like, why do you come out here? And so I'm not gonna do that, but, but that's kind of what, what's in my head when I read this. So bear with me, but um, it says, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give, us, give me a man and let us fight together. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, I want you to picture this because as you, as you read, there's kind of a progressive revelation in the Old Testament of who God is. And, and, and more and more, they realize God's delivering power. They realize God's passion for their own nation as Israelites. They realize what God can do. They've, they've heard the stories of the parting of the Red Sea. They've experienced the idea of a promised land and, and already routing armies and seeing what God can do. And yet here we are, and it says this one guy who stands up and brings up this defiance and nobody in Israel in this picture even considers who God is. All they see is what they see. Now, I know that sounds like a really dumb sentence, like, are you repeating yourself? But I mean it. All they see is what they physically see. And so because this guy's over nine feet tall, because he's got all this armor on and he's yelling what he's yelling, every single one of them is dismayed and terrified, including their leader, Saul. The story goes on in verse 12. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well-advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first one was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. So the, the three older brothers are in the army, but David's just a young guy tending sheep. And, and I, I love how in a moment, if you look at verse 16, it says, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening, and, and he took his stand. They would draw up battle lines every day. The Philistines would come out, the Israelites would come out, they would draw up battle lines, Goliath would yell what he yells, and for 40 days in a row, they were dismayed and terrified. Every single day, they would, okay, here we go. And they're like, no, here we don't go. 40 days of this. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. I'm sorry, but when I'm reading this, I'm like, David's an Uber driver, like Uber Eats, and he's, he's, he's delivering charcuterie. Like, that's what's happening here. Okay, take some grain and some cheese. Take some bread. Have a great time. Like that's, okay, sorry for that. All right, he wasn't an Uber driver. I apologize. But it says, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. They weren't fighting. But, but here we are. So as it continues, it says this. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. If I'm in the army for the Israelites, think about this for a second. 
I'm drawing up a battle line and I'm shouting a war cry, but here's how it must go. We're gonna take you out and take care of business. You know it's not gonna happen, right? We're gonna be running away in a minute. Like what kind of war cry are they shouting when they wouldn't actually go to battle? When they wouldn't even remember who their God was? And so here they are shouting a war cry and, and they don't do actually anything about what they're shouting. So what they're shouting doesn't even matter. It says they're shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. Now listen to this, verse 22. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. I love this. Because for me, it's about, man, God's timing is impeccable. Here's David who was sent to deliver some cheese and some bread to his brothers and to the commanders of of the units. And he shows up and he says hi to his brothers. And at that moment, wherever they are along the battle line, he sees Goliath. And, and, And David's interested in what's about to happen right at the point that Goliath is gonna yell what he's gonna yell. Now, here's a part, I'm gonna fast forward through this. Basically, David's like, hey, what is going on here? What's happening? And, and they say, well, here's the thing. This guy keeps coming out and he's huge, but, but here's the deal. Saul says this, and Saul's basically trying to bribe somebody to like offer their lives to Goliath. He's like, here's what we're gonna do. I will give somebody a whole pile, you know, whole, whole pile full of money. They'll be exempt from taxes. You can imagine like, powerful money? Exempt from taxes? This is amazing. This is, and a wife. Like, whoa, whoa hold on. I don't, I don't know about that, okay? But that's kind of how it goes. He says, I'll give you a whole bunch of money. I'll exempt you from taxes for the rest of your life and you'll get a wife. And David's like, whoa, hold on. Like, I could use a wife. I could use some money. I would love to never pay taxes. And so he's like, hey, hey, hey is that true? And then he goes over here like, hey, 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 is that true? I'm like, yeah, it's true. And his brother's like, well, who do you think you are? You're like this little guy, this young guy over here taking care of the sheep in the desert. And they kind of mock him, which by the way, there's a, there's a summer's worth of sermons in this text, but I'm skipping all kinds of stuff. But basically, um, his brothers are like mocking him. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Remember, not one of the Israelites over a span of 40 days has been reminded of who they actually are. And here they are asking David, who do you think you are? Now, let's continue here. It says in verse 32, sorry, let, let me rewind. At one point, Saul gets wind of David going, well, maybe I'll do it. And so like, hey, Saul, there's this guy who kind of says he'll do it. He may fight him. He's like, bring him to me. Okay, so now we get to verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I love this. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him for you're only a boy and he's been a fighting man from his youth. David hasn't been in a battle like this. David hasn't dealt with war. And so then David says to Saul, well, let me, let me give you my resume. Saul, here's what I've been doing. I've been tending my father's sheep. And you can imagine Saul going like, yeah. And then he says this, and I, I love these words. Look at, look at verse uh, 35, sorry, 34. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. David says, here's my resume. I've been keeping sheep. And Saul's like, big deal. 
But then he says, you don't understand. When a lion comes by, when a bear comes by and you're about to go, lions, tigers, bears, I know you're going there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Okay, but, but David literally says, a lion would show up, a bear would show up, try to take one of my sheep, not on my watch. I'm not letting that happen. I would go after it and I took care of business. You can imagine it's all going, okay, now I'm interested. And then he says this, and I want you to focus on this verse. Verse 36, the last part. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Listen to this, because this matters. This part matters. David is the only one who brings it back to what really matters. Because this Philistine has defied the armies of the living God. He's reminding the king, he's reminding the leader of all of Israel, do not forget who God is. For you and me, when you and I face what we face every day, when we go through what we go through, when temptation comes our way, when we're pulled in a direction because of our emotions and we're about to burn a bridge or we're about to pick up that habit again, we're about to go a place we're not supposed to go, what do we do? Do we, do we cower in fear? Do we feel it come upon us? Do we give in? Or should we remind ourselves how big our God is and what God can do? Man, it's quiet in here today. I don't know if you just had a late night or. Verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul says, go. May God be with you, go. But hold on. Before you head out, here's some armor. Now remember, when Saul is described, early on when he becomes king, it says he was a head taller than every other man. And so he tries to put on Saul's armor, totally another sermon. But David's like, this doesn't fit me. And I've never fought with this before. I'm not gonna do it. Again, another sermon for another day, but it says this. He took, verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones, excuse me, from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to him, am I a dog that you, okay, I'm just, okay. But, am I a dog? Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And this nine and a half foot guy comes and approaches David and he's like, you're like a little boy. You got nothing. He's been a fighting man since his youth, Saul says. You, you can't do this. He's like nine and a half feet tall. I can't imagine facing a moment like this. And yet here's what David says. Look at verse 45. You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin. He's basically saying, you got all these weapons. What do I have? I got a shepherd's staff and a little sling. But that's not how he came against them. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. David is mocking him. 
Remember, he said to David, I'm gonna give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David's like, you think so? My God is so big that not only am I gonna cut your head off, but your entire army that you got behind you, we're gonna take care of business and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field are gonna eat your flesh. That's what David does. He says, the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and, I will, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's the speech. That's the moment. And David is very clear, instead of living in fear and cowering for 40 days, don't you understand, you guys, who God is? You can imagine his friends going, he's nuts. Who is this kid? What is he doing? His brother's like, well, go get rescue him. He's about to die. And they're like, I'm too afraid. David's like, you, you, you remember who God is? You remember how powerful God is? You remember what God can do? Do you? Do you? I want to challenge us to take a look at how we view our faith every day. How you and I process our faith every day. Because there's a God who Jesus said walks with us moment by moment. We have, according to Acts 1 and 2, this work of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live out a certain life of purpose. And yet is it so easy to find ourselves looking at a battle like this and just living in intimidation, living going around and around the mountain of the habit we just keep excusing in our lives. That we, we kind of look at the, a certain sin or, or whatever we're facing and, and we just keep falling prey to it and it just is what it is. Makes me think of Popeye. I am what I am, right? That's my best. Okay, gosh, that was terrible. What am I, stop it, just, why are you doing that? This is, you just made this dumb. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. To add insult to injury, and yes, it's gory, but he cuts his head off with his own sword. And all of a sudden, the Israelites, listen to me, realize who God is. And now that Goliath is taking care of, all of a sudden, they have the courage to rise up and rout the whole army. But what did it take? You know what it took? It took a guy like David who took his relationship with his God very seriously. You know what it took? The reminder of how big God is against the things that you and I face. I would say it this way. I don't know what temptation you face. I don't know what sin is a habit in your life, but I want you to take it as seriously as David took Goliath. Because here's the deal. There's something in every one of us that faces the temptation to do the wrong things, to walk the wrong path, to excuse the sin in our lives. At what point will you and I look at those sins in our lives and take it like Goliath? 
See, there's, there's too many of us that when it comes to the Goliaths in our lives, ah, he just is here, we're hanging out. We just hang out. You come to the battle on a horse, like, hey, hop on back, Goliath, let's go for a ride. Or we sneak into his tent while nobody else is watching and we do whatever we do. We call sin. We know it's not right, it's not good, it's not healthy, not helping us. It's not building our marriage. It's not getting us to where God wants us to go. It's hindering us from becoming the kind of man we're called to be. And yeah, it applies to ladies too, but I wanna challenge the guys. There's a gaping hole in our world, especially in church world. Listen to me carefully. We're in a fight, but do you realize the fight isn't just about you? I wanna challenge our guys to do battle against sin. And I know it's not always easy. And there's not one of us that always gets it right. But can I be honest with you? It's not just about you. It's about generations that come after you that need to see you model it. You ever hear the phrase, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are? Merry Christmas. Happy Father's Day. It's true. I can get up here and talk till I'm blue in the face about stuff like this. I can try to word it the best I can and make you leave going, good stuff. But if I'm not living it at home, if I'm not living it in my marriage, I don't do this to put on a show. I do this because it's a calling for me. But it's an honor. And I tell God all the time, Lord, it is an honor to be able to do this. But I don't do it to, to make myself look good or to make you shed a tear or to make you leave going, that felt nice. I should come back next week. I want us to do battle because there's a generation that needs us to. And I'm honest, you guys, in a world that says men shouldn't be men and women shouldn't be women, we should just be people. It's hogwash. It is. And some of you guys maybe even hate that I say that, but it's hogwash. Like I said, it's not the, 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 the gun-toting, chew-spitting out the side window of the car, cussing because we cuss, excusing whatever we do because we're men type of thing. And by the way, the older you get, the less people in your life there are to tell you, hey, let's be careful here. Hey, 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 let me speak it. I'm a man, I don't need that. I'm not talking about that kind of masculinity. I'm talking about you and I taking the battle seriously that we fight. You know Why? Because I got a son who's about to turn 16. I tell him all the time, listen, just so you know, having a healthy marriage starts now. It doesn't start when you get married. It doesn't start when you get engaged. It doesn't start when you find the girl. And your integrity is gonna matter. I tell him all the time, I'm doing my best, Jack, to provide an example for you and your brother that you can see what a healthy marriage is because I want you to have one. I've said before, I wasn't raised in church world and I didn't always have the best examples. I had some pretty great examples, but some of them weren't. And sometimes I was scared by that. You know what I was trained by, unfortunately? I was trained by pornography starting at eight years old. Awesome. I was trained where I could see anger flare up and things not go so well. I was trained by certain examples in my life where the bottle was a challenge. But you know what? Those aren't excuses. You ever hear of the phrase generational curse? It's real. It's why people say they became like their father. She became like her mother. They just became just like their family was. Those are, in biblical terms, generational curses. 
Things that we fall prey to because they're in our family line. I've said this before, but when Heather and I were dating and we were moving towards marriage, I said, I don't know that I wanna do that. And she's like, then why are we even dating? I said, look, I, I, I'm just concerned. And I love my dad, but, but their marriage wasn't, wasn't kind of what it needed to be. And so I just, I just, I just wanna do that to you. And I've shared this before, but, but she said to me that day, well, don't you have a new father now in heaven? And it was that day that something broke in me. And I mean like something where I don't have to follow the same pattern. And I'm not saying it's always perfect and easy and, and we've had plenty of fights that aren't fun at all. But you know what? In almost 22 years of marriage, it's been pretty awesome. And I'm not bragging we were all that, but we got it pretty good. And you know what I do in front of my kids? Kiss her. Oh, dad. Right? Oh, come on. You know what I do? Every day, multiple times a day, hey, um, just so you know, you won the favorite person in the world award again today. I tell her all that, she gets tired of hearing it. I'm like, hey babe, who's the best person in the world? She's like, I don't know, I go, it's you. Oh, come on, that's not true. I go, you won. I tell her I love her every day. Why? Because I want her to feel amazing. Because it helps our marriage be what it's supposed to be. It helps my kids see. It's helps my, my daughters. My, my, I'm graduated a couple days ago. I've been in a puddle of tears. We had a party last night. As we were getting ready for it, I was in the back reading some of the poster boards that were put together, seeing all these pictures. I'm by myself like, <laughs> so glad no one's here. Why does it matter? Because I want my daughters to see a healthy marriage so that they can identify a healthy individual and marry them someday. It matters because there are individuals that are watching. I'm so glad now we've launched a young adults gathering for 18 to 30s because young people that are in that age bracket can, can walk out of the church in droves and it's happening. But instead, what does it look like to create an environment? And they did. Our, our crew did because they went, look, we need to care. We want those young people to go, well, what's healthy? I'm not just fighting the battle for me. I'm fighting it for generations. Accountability, I should be done. Nobody likes the word accountability, even the people that have it. And I have accountability. And in 29 years of following Jesus, I've had five people that hold me accountable. Over that span of time, different people move and stuff like that. Um, but, but every two weeks, about sit down and we go through the questions. We talk about how things are going. And I'll, honest, honestly, James 5, I think verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. You go, well, isn't Jesus enough? I confess to him. Great step but there's some kind of tension in us when we have to be accountable to another person. And so I have an individual, and I always have, that will ask me the tough questions, that will challenge me on my integrity, on my marriage. Am I, am I, am I getting into stuff on a phone I shouldn't be getting into? How am I treating my kids? What am I doing? I've said before, it's because I don't wanna get away with anything. I just don't. It's not worth it. I don't wanna live a double life. Got this going on over here, but I got a marriage and kids and family and church stuff, whatever. How are you treating Goliath in your life? How are you dealing with that stuff that tries to pull you the wrong way? Intimidated, excusing it, hanging out? Are you killing it and cutting the head off it? I'm serious. I sound dramatic, but I'm serious. There's something about what sin does in our relationship with Christ, and we know it. The Holy Spirit remind we know it. What would it look like for you to take sin seriously? to cut the head off of stuff that's damaging your relationship with God 
and with the people you love. You teach what you know. You reproduce who you are. Father, happy Father's Day. God, as we stop and pray for a moment, God, would you move in us in, in, in a way that, that, and for guys and gals, that we all take sin seriously. But in a very confused world where there seems to be a gaping hole about men being men, what does it look like to fight the right battle, to deal with the sin, to take care of those issues for our own good, but also for the good of a generation we ought to care about, that we don't just live for ourselves, that we live through the lens of what does it look like for me to inspire and encourage and challenge others. Jesus, reframe this conversation in all of our hearts. Sitting in a room like this or taking some time right now in a living room or car or watching online, wherever, Jesus, help us, God, to take sin seriously. That David had a victory because he says, no, no, don't, don't mess with God. I'll take care of you because God is big enough. I pray for anybody that believes a lie that, hey, I just am what I am. I do what I do. It is what it is. I'm the man, I don't apologize. I break that stuff, God. Help us live how you want, Lord, in humility, but with the strength to fight the battle against sin because we need it and this generation coming after us needs it. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.